0: Sergey Volkertov, good morning. We uh, we're glad to be here. It's been a while since we've been. Thank you for praying for our son-in-law Michael. His cancer is uh, it's uh, not gone, but it's uh, in remission, and uh, he's doing reasonably well. And uh, he's got some issues after his stem cell, cell transplant. So continue to pray for him, he's back at work, he's working like crazy, but uh, we appreciate your prayers for him. Pray for Wayne and Nicole, we mentioned them this morning, uh, they're going, he's going through cancer, Wayne, a young man with four children, and uh, we ask you to pray for him and his wife Nicole in Madawaska, Maine. We were with them last week and we were able to pray with them. him, uh, so, so just uh, keep them in, in prayer please. And uh, it's nice to see all you Facebook friends, all you who have been writing on Facebook, and uh, we've been writing back and forth to you. It's a joy to keep up uh, what's going on down here in Nova Scotia and also down here in Dartmouth. We have a magazine at the back on the table, and if you would like to receive it for free, if you sign up uh, your name and address and, uh, and your email, and the mission will send it to you free for one year. And then after that, it's up to you why you want to purchase it or not. But there's a sheet in the back to sign up. And I hope you take advantage of that. And uh, you might want to get it on digital or uh, printed form. You can tick that on the sheet as well. It's there for you. And uh, you can get it also on, the, on your iPhone, iPad, whatever. This one here we do now in Canada. And this is coming out uh, about four times a year now and uh, we, it's called Canadian Communique, and it's our, it's our representatives over Canada, and we put together this for you. You might want to pick some of them up at the back as well, so those are also free. If you want to sign up the sheet, you can get it in digi- digital as well or a printed form. So it's good to be with you. I have a little joke here. You don't mind me telling a joke here. Uh, I just uh, was reading this the other day. I thought it was quite humorous. We have a friend in Ontario by the name of Ernie Belch. Anybody know Ernie Belch? You remember him? No? He worked with the assemblies in Ontario. He has a sister who's been on the mission field for years in South Africa. Her name is Martha Belch. And when Martha came home on furlough one time to speak in Peterborough, Ontario, the church put her name up in the neon lights on on their outside bulletin board, and it said this, Come here, Martha Belch, all the way from South Africa. (laughs) 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 That was cute. Anyhow, we have a prophecy conference. We call it uh, Prophecy Up Close, P-U-C. We're having one in Sussex, New Brunswick, from September 16th, and that'll be from 8.30 to 3 p.m. And it's a sign-up for that. Uh, You have to call in uh, the mission and uh, and it's a ten dollar sign up fee, and uh, you get that, you get a lunch with that as well. And uh, so, if you want to register for that for that one day, it's a Saturday one day, prophecy up close. Uh, then you need to see my wife after the meeting, and she'll give you the details for that. So we're they're starting to sign up now. So if you want in on that, uh, you would have to do it as quickly as you can because there's limited seats in the church in Sussex. Also, we have a tour next year, October 2018. Now, that's, I was talking to Sergey uh, about that, and uh, he's trying to check to see what's the best time to go to Israel. We've been going in the spring, and, uh, but uh, maybe there's a better time to go. We've always enjoyed it when we, when we aren't at that time, but we we're going to try in the fall period, and I'd like to know what time frame in that area to go. So pray about that, and you might want to come with us. We had 37. we just come back a month ago. And we had a wonderful trip of 37 people, had a fabulous trip there in Israel. You might want to do that, if you want to go on that trip, see Dorothy again after the meeting, or myself, I'm going to give you details and so forth. If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be looking at a number of passages. What I'm going to share with you is not really my own material, but I thought it was good, and uh, I got it from another individual, I've added some things to it, but... Uh, I thought you might uh, enjoy our time this morning on thinking about the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? About his person. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 45. Psalm 45 is one of what we call a messianic psalm. That means it's talking about the Messiah or the Messiah. Psalm 45. There's a number of the psalms that speak about the Messiah. Jesus said that. He says, in the Scriptures, the things that are written of me in the law and the prophets and in the Psalms. So, <clears throat> so the Psalms certainly, in some of them, they, have, uh, they are speaking about him. Verse 8 is what I want to go to. Notice the words, All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, Out of the ivory palaces, whereby they have made thee glad. Now the hymn writer, the hymn writer took up on that, and you know the old, uh, wonderful old hymn, "Out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe, only his great eternal love made my saviour go." But one of the verse, a number of the verses speak about his garments, and the first verse says this: "My Lord has garments so wondrous fine, and mirror their texture fills." His fragrance reached to this heart of mine, and with joy my being thrills. And they talk out of the ivory palaces. So the hymn writer picked up in Psalm 45, verse 8. This is a messianic psalm. Now notice verse 1. My heart is what? Indicting a good matter. The word indicting means, it's in Hebrew, Rakach, it means to be bubbling over. Uh, his emotions are bubbling over. Why? Because he's talking about uh, a good matter. And what's the good matter he's talking about? He talks about a good matter, look what it says, of the things concerning the king. His pen is a pen of a ratty writer. He's writing a song about the king. And so his heart is filled with these things. He's indicting a good matter. His heart is bubbling over as he writes about the king. And we want to talk about the garments of the Lord Jesus. There's a number of them mentioned in the scriptures. And I want to talk to you about that this morning on the garments of Christ. If you have your Bible, can you turn to Psalm 104? Psalm 104, please. Excuse me. Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed. I'm talking about garments. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Verse 2. Who covereth thyself with what? With light. As with a garment who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. And so here we're looking back before Bethlehem. Here we're looking back before the incarnation. Here we're looking back in the dateless, timeless past to the in the uncalendared days of eternity. And he who voluntarily became man to be our savior, he was robed in light as with a garment, with honor and majesty. Amen? What a person. The garments of his deity. And no wonder the hymn writer said, immortal, invisible. God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty victorious, thy great name we praise. And then he goes on to say, tis only the splendor of light that hideth thee. And he talks about the one who was clothed in light and honor and majesty. Turn with me please to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John's gospel chapter 1. Now we'll be using a number of scriptures this morning. John 1 verse 9. That was the true light. He's talking about Jesus. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the what, into the world. Look at verse three: "All things were made what? By him, and without him was not anything made that was what was made." Let's go to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, please. <clears throat> There's a wonderful chapter here. And if you have the King James Version Bible, you'll find that there's a number of times he mentions the words, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things. Look at verse 16. He's talking about Jesus now. For by him, for by him were what? All things created. That are in heaven and that are on earth. That covers everything. That are in heaven, that are on earth. And then he goes on to speak about visible and invisible. The visible things like creatures like you and me or invisible creatures like angelic beings of principalities and powers and so forth in different ranks of angelic beings. Visible and invisible. Heaven and earth. All things were created by him. Gabriel, it says here. And then it says this, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And by him, and, and he is before all things. So all of these things that come into being, then he was before them, therefore working back to the on days of eternity. When he was in light, in honor and clothed, with honor and majesty. What a wonderful person. The glory of his, the garments of his deity, the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go to a second thing this morning. From the garments of deity, from the silence of light, robed in honor and majesty, the Son of the Father would come forth to be wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes as the firstborn son of a virgin Jewish maiden. And so we have the garment of his humanity now. Turn to Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so here you have what we call the miracle of his conception. His birth was in Bethlehem. The conception was before that, up in Nazareth, And so, Nazareth was the place of his conception. And it's the conception that's the miracle, not the birth. It's the conception that's the miracle, not the birth. was just like any other birth of a woman having a child. Nine months, she was pregnant. And she was very heavy with child that she came down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so... Here you have the miracle of his conception and should not be pried into. You and I have a tendency to get into all these details and everything. God just tells us it. That's all he does. And I believe it. I don't know what you do, but I believe it because God said it. And that's how I see it. I understand it. I don't try to explain, explain it all. How can you? Supernatural, what God did here. Now, do you have a problem with the virgin birth? Maybe you're sitting in a meeting and you have a problem with the virgin birth. Well, let me put this to you. Let me take you back to Genesis, all right? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 11 for a moment. Let me ask you this question. Is there a people called Israel? Is there a people called Israel? Was there always a people of Israel? No. I wonder how they came in. I wonder how they were established. Do you know that? Let me take you to a verse to show you. Genesis chapter 11. Look at verse 30. And we know it begins with Abraham, don't we? I mean, you know it begins with Abraham and his wife. What was her name? But guess what? Sarah could not what? She couldn't have a child. Why? She was barren. Oh, I see. She was barren. So how are we going to get the nation? If Abraham's no seed. It's a supernatural work of God, is it not? Israel's a supernatural work of God, is it not? The nation? Of course it is. And so therefore, Abraham was old, and she was old, and they were past childbearing, so they couldn't have a child. But God said, you will have a child at the appointed time. I'll tell you when you'll have it. And guess what his name was? Yitzhak. And guess what Yitzhak means? Laughter. Why? Because she laughed, and she was saying to herself, how can this be? Of course a woman would say that. It's just barren, right? How can this thing be? My dear friend, God said it. Did it happen? So did the virgin birth. And God said it. I believe it. That should settle it. It's all we need. And the nation came into being <laughs> through Yitzhak, the promised seed through which would come the Messiah the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. It's a wonderful truth. And so the angel says to to her, uh, Sarah, when she was laughing, excuse me, Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? (laughs) that just brings it home, doesn't it? Anyhow, a virgin would conceive the child would be wrapped in swaddling bands or swaddling clothes. And it happened, John, just the way the prophet said it 700 years ago. In Isaiah chapter seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Notice the words. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive... And, her, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Not only would she be given a child, she would be given the child and be given the name of the child as well, and so forth. And his name would be called Emmanuel, which means, Our God with us. The conception took place at Nazareth, but the birth took place at Bethlehem, Judea, And let me mention a few things about Bethlehem quickly. Bethlehem, there's three things regarding it I put down here. Number one, Bethlehem is a divine blending of sovereignty. Bethlehem is a divine blending of simplicity. And Bethlehem is a divine blending of mystery. Let's look at them quickly. Bethlehem is a divine blending of sovereignty. And in the plan, and in the purpose of God, it was of a decree by Caesar in Rome, by the way, all the way over in Rome. He gave a, a decree which brought Joseph and Mary from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. <laughs> it was a long and hard, arduous journey, especially for a maid, maiden carrying her child. And probably through the Judean wilderness, which is not an easy track, is it? It would have been easier for her. In the Bible, in Jesus' day, there was two Bethlehems. Did you know that? There was a Bethlehem of Judea, but there was also a Bethlehem up in Galilee. It would have been easier for her to go from Nazareth to the Bethlehem in Galilee, would it Not? of course it would have would have been a lot easier on the journey but that's not where it was supposed to be and neither would she go there and neither would she stop on the way to have the child in the judean wilderness that wasn't going to happen either why because a decree was given that Joseph, who was of the line of David, and he was of the city of of Jerusalem and so forth, so he had to come to Jerusalem to pay his taxes, so he had to come all the way from Nazareth, all the way down to that place, Bethlehem of Judea, and while he was there, the birth was. But that's what the prophet said. That's what the prophet said it would be. It would be in the location of Bethlehem of Judea, not Bethlehem of Galilee. God is very precise about bringing his son into the world. And Micah says that. Micah chapter 2, verse 6, talks about that. And Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, talks about sovereignty. Therefore, God arranged it so, and when the child was born, all was in accord with the prophetic word of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Let's go over to Mike. No, let's leave that. Just a blending of sovereignty in fulfillment of the prophetic words. Secondly, Bethlehem is a divine blending of simplicity. Folk, listen. How simplicity can you get? You have a baby, you have a manger bed, you have a baby in a manger bed, you've got swaddling clothes. To me, that's pretty simplistic. No palace, no royal welcome from Earth's great leaders, and no regal splendor, no band playing, no flags waving, no entourage, nothing. Just simplicity. Just simplicity. Mary brought him forth. Joseph stood by, and shepherds came to see the babe. And in these most humble of circumstances, there began the story of a life that was to bring inestimable pleasure to the heart of God in the heart of man. What a wonderful story. Bethlehem is not only a blending of sovereignty and simplicity, Bethlehem's a blending of mystery. God in human flesh. Whoa, what a mystery that is. <laughs> How can we understand God, who's transcendent, who's inaccessible? <laughs> How can we understand him? And yet he became imminent. So he takes on and robes himself in the garment of flesh. That's the wonderful mystery, isn't it? God came to man. (laughs) It had to be that way, Eimee, for man to get to God. You can't do it any other way. That's the way it has to be. That's the gospel, is it not? And Paul in his wonderful writing in 1 Timothy 3.16, I would bow down here and worship the Lord right now of this verse. Listen what he says. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, etc., etc., etc. And he was seen of angels. Think about that. How they must have looked upon him whom they had known only in the unveiled splendor of deity. Ah, but now. He's become so approachable to them. Now he's taken a body of flesh and blood, and it was indeed the beginning of a life of incomparable moral glory to be lived in Galilee and Judea and Samaria, and he walked among the people. And John says, And we saw him, and we handled him, and we touched him of the very word of life. Hallelujah. What a wonderful stoop that was from heaven to earth. Excuse me for getting excited. I'm getting warmed up here. My wife says, Stop shouting. You can't help but shout. Field in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with man, with man to dwell. Jesus. Our Emmanuel, our God with us. The garments of humanity, the garments of deity. Then we have the garments of mercy. Turn to Luke chapter 8, please. And I think you should read this chapter. I don't want to preach it. You could preach in this chapter alone. Never mind the rest of the stuff we have here. But this is a wonderful chapter. And if you're going to read it, which I have done last night, and I've done it all week reading it, <clears throat> and by the way do you ever stop and read your bible do you ever stop and read your bible do you ever stop and meditate and sit in quietness before god sometimes we're too busy guys take time to be with the lord in his word amen i just say that for your encouragement that's all but we get so busy running 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 with no time for god Worship first, then service. Worship first, then service. Take time alone with God. That's the important thing. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. I'm preaching to me. Now, Luke chapter eight. Mark this down, I'm not gonna go through it all, but I'll just give you the four miracles. And the four miracles are linked to his name, the Master. Let me show you the first one. Luke 8, verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, Jesus did, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And that happens in Galilee. All of a sudden, you've got a storm out of nowhere. Boom, right on the lake. You say to me, how do you know I was in one (laughs) on the lake? We just got off it in time. And they can come up quickly, boom. It seems they come right down through the, the valley of the doves and it just comes whistling right down and hits the Golan Heights and comes right back onto the water and stirs the whole water up. Anyhow, the miracles that Jesus did here was amazing under the title of the master. Look, came down in the wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Don't forget seasoned fishermen. And they came to him and awoke him saying, what? Master, master, we perish. Then he arose and what did he do? He rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he just said to the water, by the way, he's the creator. He can talk to the water if he wants. He put it there in the first place. He said, that, now, you just lie down there, and you just be calm. Now, my daughter had a little Westie, a little uh, West Highland Terrier. He was a wee beauty. We just lost him last year. He passed away. He's 13. You talking about loving a dog? <laughs> Anyhow. When anybody would come to the door, you think he was like a great dane barking. And everybody would think that when he would bark at the door and, that, and Allison would go to him and, and she would say to him, Whitaker, that was his name, Whitaker, Whitaker. And she'd get the finger at him and she'd say, now you just lie down there and shut up. And he would just lie down and he would be calm. Why? She's the master. And that's what Jesus did with the water. No wonder they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? You try and get anybody else doing that. You try and get Buddha doing that. (laughs) You try and get Muhammad doing that. Come on now. No way, sir. The one who created it can do it. Amen? That was the miracle. What I call he's the master of the deep. And then you come to another one, the next after that, the next verses talk about the demoniac of the Gadarenes. He's a madman. It says he wore no clothes, he was the first streaker in the Bible. It says he wore no clothes. It says it in the text. And he's running around buck naked. That's the way he was. I'm just telling you what's in the text. And he's cutting himself. And, and he's, he's possessed with these demons, a legion. He says, my name is Legion, a legion in the army of the Roman army. Do you know how many people, how many soldiers that is? Six thousand a cohort is 600. A centurion was one over 100. And so a cohort is a tenth of a legion. 6,000. No wonder it says he was mad. Tormented day and night, cutting himself. People were afraid of him, Bruce. They wouldn't come near him. You wouldn't go near him either. <laughs> And so he was a sad man, he had no peace. He was a madman, he was cutting himself, and people were afraid of him, wouldn't get near him. But when Jesus left him, it says this. He was clothed. Remember, he was naked. He was clothed, he left him clothed, and in his right what? Mine. What a miracle. And then all the demons were put into the sheep and they ran down or the pigs or whatever, they ran down the mountain and went into the sea, it says it, and it says they were, uh, there's a word there, it says that they were frantic, no wonder, and the man now has peace, so the sad man who was a madman when Jesus met him and touched him became a glad man, Amen? amen, thank God for the miracle. He's the master, not only of the deep, he's the master of demons. We know who you are, thy Holy One of God, they said. He's not only the master of the deep and the master of demons. Jairus came to him, the ruler of the synagogue, it says later on in the text, and he, he, uh, he came to the master and all the crowd was following him and hustling him and shoving him and moving him around. And he came and he says, Master, my, my daughter's sick. She's 12 years old, my only daughter. She's now near, near death. And while he's talking to him and telling Jesus this, he gets separated from the crowd because of the crowd. So he never finishes off working with him. And now he see he's interrupted. Jairus is interrupted and then what happens is there's a little woman comes along in between the story and it says she pushes her way through. You have to have pointed elbows in Israel when you're going through the, 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 the place. That's what my guide told me. He said, John, you got you Canadians, he says you're too polite. He says you need to use your elbows. Going through the Jewish quarter and through the Arab quarters and so forth. It's dangerous to go through like that. What she did... She was determined to get to Jesus. I mean, she spent 12 years going to doctors and not one could help them, help her. And she spent all her life's money, and she still wasn't any better. And she says, "I got to get to this man. I'm going to come back to that story. All right. Put it on the back burner for now." Then after the Lord deals with her, one of the ruler's synagogue, one of his men comes along and he says, Master, don't trouble the master anymore. Your child is already dead. And Jesus said, is that so? And so he goes to where she was and he tells everybody to get out except the father and mother and so forth. And then he says to the maid, he says, arise. And she who was dead got up. Amen? You see, he's the master of the deep. He's the master of the demons. Listen to me tonight, this morning. Jesus is the master of death. And he conquered death in his own death. So that you will never die. My dear friend, there is no afterlife if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead. There is no life after this. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead and conquered death. Hallelujah, he conquered death. Thanks be unto God for the victory we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he could turn around and say to you, because I live, you shall live also. Hallelujah. Don't get excited about it. It's all right. (laughs) My dear friend, he not only rose again, he's coming back again to fulfill the task that he's worked on you. Hallelujah. So that one day you will be with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm getting excited when he started now. It's 12 o'clock. It's good. (laughs) Come back to the woman now. I got something in that bag, Matthew. Can you bring it over? And so the woman pushed her way through. Anybody remember what it says? She touched. The what? Of his. Okay, here we go. What does that mean? What does that mean? This is what it means. You see what that is? Do you know what that is? Now in Israel they go right down to the very bottom, and this is the hem. See here? Not nice. This is what you call a talit, a prayer shawl. And you'll read about it in the book of Numbers. Let's go to Numbers chapter fifteen. Everything we have to establish by the word of God. Amen. Now, it's 12 o'clock. What time do you finish? 12 o'clock? One o'clock. o'clock? One o'clock. All right. Yeah. You want to have me killed? You want to? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, it says she touched the hem. The word in the Greek is kraspedon. Kraspedon can mean this. Listen now. Kraspedon can mean this. It can mean hem. It can mean edge. It can mean border, it can mean tassel, and it can mean fringe. It can mean all those words. Numbers chapter 15, verse 38. Numbers 15, 38. just stop for a drink of water Okay, I'll take another one look at verse 38 speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they what make them fringes so they made them Don't tell me they didn't make these. God told them to make them. That's what it says in the text. And make fringes. (laughs) Notice else what he says here. In the borders of your what? Your garment. This part here is for to hold this part. The garment was made to hold the important part down here. The fringe. Now let me go back again and read again. The borders of their garments throughout their generations. You got that too? That means year after year after year after year. Generation after generation after generation. Make them. And the borders of your garments. And that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of what? Now, the ribbon of blue, the blue was lost, the takalit blue was lost down through the years, so they just made them out of white. But one of these fringes here, strings, was a blue, and the blue was the long, long, long blue one, the ribbon of blue. So you had seven white strings and one long ribbon of blue. There's a purpose for that, too. We'll get back to it in a minute. Let me explain this, and then I'll finish. And I'll come back another time and finish the message. Is that okay? I don't want to take all your time. Verse 39. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may, what? So they had to wear it, make it, so that it could be looked upon. (laughs) And then, and remember, when you put it on, here's what you're to remember when you put it on: remember all the what, the commandments of the Lord, and do them. Seek not after your own heart, your own eyes, after what you used to go a whoring, my dear friend. They were to concentrate on the commandments of God, because the blue represents the blue, the blue of heaven, and the commandments were given from heaven by God to the people. The cord of blue, that's one part of the interpretation for the blue. Now, let me give you another text, and then I'll explain this, and then we'll pray, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy 22, verse 12, there's an added piece of information given from the Numbers passage to this passage. There's a little bit extra given now here that you didn't have in the last passage. That's why it's important to read all the texts regarding these issues. Sometimes you get more information. It colors the whole statements, doesn't it? And adds to it. So here's, here's what we read in verse 12. Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the what? Four corners or four quarters of thy vesture wherewith thou coverest thyself. Do you see that? So, notice it here. one, two, three. Four, that's the four corners. That's why the fringes here at the bottom are the important thing. Now let me come back to it and try to explain. The word for fringe in Hebrew is zitzit. Is that right? Zitzit. The numerical value for zitzit, every letter has a numerical value in Hebrew. Aleph, 1, Bet, 2, Gimel, 3, Dalit 4, so forth. Right up to Ta, 400. And so, the letter Zit, Zit, or fringe, has a numerical value of 600. You got that? Plus, how many knots are here? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So, 600 plus 5 is what? 600 and... Okay, now add eight strings on 605. What do you get? 613. Do you know many laws God gave to the Jewish people? 613 laws. That's why it's here. Now, the ribbon of blue, because it was longer, they took the ribbon of blue, and between the knots, they started to wrap around between the knots with the blue. Seven times here, the first, between the first and second knot. Eight times between the second and third knot. Eleven times between the third and fourth knot. And thirteen times between the fourth and fifth knot. Why all these numbers? Seven, eight is fifteen, plus eleven is twenty-six. You got the number? Do you know what the number of God is? 26 yod hey vav hey, the unpronounceable name. The Tetragrammaton, the unspeakable name. It's called yod He vav heh We say Yahweh or Jehovah. Listen, it's Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. It's the four-letter name, Tetragrammaton. Tetra means four. Four-letter grammaton, four-letter name of God. It's right here. So, what about the number 13? Well, the Hebrew word Echad, meaning one, When you look at the letters for Echad in Hebrew, and you add them up, you get 13. So what you've got, the name of God, and you've got one. Now you've got the Shema prayer of the Jewish people that they pray. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our what? God is one. It's right here. And so when they put this on, they remember the laws of God, and they also remember the name of God. There's no God like Jehovah, Amen. There's none like him, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises and doing wonders. What a God we serve, amen? Our God is an awesome God. And so when he dons this, he puts on and remembers the commandments of God in the name of God. Now, listen, to close the meeting, you and I don't wear this. That was given to who? The children of, that's what it said in the text, Thank God you have a garment. You have a garment. You don't have a tallit. But you have the garment of his what? Righteousness. You're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. What a wonderful truth grace brings in. Not law, but grace. Amen. You're clothed with his righteousness. Isaiah 61 and closing verse 10. Just by way of illustration. And you should be rejoicing today in this. That you're accepted in the beloved one. He has made you accept it. And he's made you accept it, Ephesians 1 6, because he has closed you with his righteousness. That's what makes you acceptable. Not by your works, not by your deeds, not by doing anything else, but by free, sovereign grace of God, by faith, John. We trusted Christ, the work of the cross. That's how you get to heaven, friend. No other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And because he paid your debt and satisfied the justice of God in all the commandments, he satisfies the law of God in all its points so that you can be set free from it. Hallelujah. Because you couldn't keep it. Thank God he kept it for you so that God is now just, and yet he can be the justifier now of the one who puts faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Because you're now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. What a wonderful truth. So you can leave this meeting with a skip and a step and a joy in your heart and a word upon your lips to tell people, I'm saved, I'm saved through the righteousness of Christ and he's accepted me. Hallelujah, what a savior. And so the little woman pushed her way through and I've gotta touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, Somebody's touched me. And the disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. <laughs> he said, No, 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 no. Virtue has gone out from me. Somebody has touched me in a very special way. And he turned to her and he says, Thy faith has made thee. That's how you get made whole. Not by touching the garment. And she didn't get whole because she touched the garment. She got whole because she came to Jesus. And it was Jesus that healed her. It was Jesus who said, dear, your faith that made you whole. But this was just used to show that he wore maybe a garment like this, just one of his garments, swaddling clothes, garments of majesty and honor in the past days of eternity, in his glory, in his deity. And then there's humanity swaddling close. And then here, the Talit Pershul. By the way, the Talit Pershul means a little tent. This is their little tent. This is their tabernacle. This is the place where they go in and put themselves off and close everything off and lock themselves in with God. And they put it on like this. And that's their little tent. And they've locked everything out and they've zeroed in on praying at the Western Wall for the Messiah to come and for the temple to be rebuilt. It's their little, Jesus said, maybe he means your closet. Go into your closet. That's why I'm telling you, take time to pray. Get into the closet before God. Lock everything out. We could learn from the Jewish people, by the way, many, many things. Don't think you and I know everything we don't. We can be taught by other people, amen? Of course you can. Now I've got three more points. That'll take me to one thirty, and then we can have lunch. Just joking. Last verse, Mark chapter 3, I 5, and we'll pray. Mark five, watch these verses here. By the way, many of the commentaries suggest that Jesus wore a prayer show. Many of your leading commentaries tell you that. I'm not just saying that, you read yourself. Matthew 5, or Mark 5, and uh, excuse me, I'm getting very dry up here. Verse 53. uh, You see, it wasn't only the woman, it wasn't only the woman, Gabriel, that touched the hem of his garment. Look at these verses. Verse 53. I hope I got the right text uh, I've got the wrong text, I think. But, anyhow, let me quote it for you. I have a wrong text here. And it says this And what, whithersoever he entered into villages, or cities, or country, they laid the sick in the streets, and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. So it wasn't just the lady. The woman with the issue of blood. Many others touched the hem of his garment. Amen? And so, Jesus more than likely wore one of these. In Jewish prayer show. According to the commandment of God. Remember, he came to fill all the commandments. I came not to take away the law, but to what? To fulfill it. Now the question is, are you clothed with His righteousness? My friend, listen, that's a very, very serious issue. To be clothed in the righteousness of Christ is to come humbly before the cross and to say to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I cannot make it on my own. The law has found me out. That's why the law was given. To find us out. You wouldn't have known sin if the law hadn't said I shall not sin or steal or commit adultery. It was the law that said that. So the law finds us out. It doesn't save us. It shows us the need for a savior. <laughs> so the law is a schoolmaster to point us to what? To Christ. The one who can clothe us with the righteousness of God. That's what you and I need. The righteousness of God. And Jesus provides the garment for you. All you have to do is come and in faith trust him and believe and put it on. And you'll be saved. Amen? Now, if you haven't done that this morning and you want to, I'll be up here waiting for you. I'm not running away. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior, my friend, come this morning and do it. Amen? Let's pray together. May would you close in prayer, please? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for reminding us again of the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great Savior that meets all needs, that conquers death, that conquers death. We pray that Lord that thoughts of him would be sweet. Yes. That this now you have to come back to next time to get the majesty garment and the and the and the garment of mockery and the garment of victory that'll be the next message all right i hope you can come all right